Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada. My name is Iman, and I am joined by the man himself. I'm a man. Is that a pun? Is that a pun? I was trying. I was trying something. It's Iman. I'm Iman. Like there's just yeah. there's something there. Yeah. Okay. The question How are is, you? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. You know, I found that uh, with the Toronto Raptors throughout the whole season, my coffee is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. And now I'm at an XL. I think I started at a medium, and now we're at XL. So that kind of tells uh, a story of the Toronto Raptors season. Yeah, you're Islamophobic for playing this poorly in Ramadan because I can't drink coffee, guys. What are you doing to me? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not you, not you, not you. I'm talking to the Raptors. No, no, not you. I worked at a restaurant during Ramadan. I'm totally fine with it. Um. My uh, The fellow at Concierge, he's a really nice guy. And uh, the other day we asked him, do you want a coffee? He's like, oh, no, it's Ramadan. And we're just like, oh, geez, we're so sorry. Sorry. And we I mean, don't, uh, yeah. It's anyway. fine. I'm sure you did not, you did not offend him at all. Uh, <laughs> I literally have been up since like five o'clock in the morning. I've had my coffee today. Um, okay, so. <laughs> Let's talk about the game that was last night. So the Raptors lost, unfortunately, because okay. that game, it was one of the most important games. Every game so is going to be one of the most important, except these final three kind of feel a little bit useless because they lost to the Boston Celtics. Now, the Boston mm. Celtics were without Jason Tatum, without Marcus Smart, and without Al Horford in a must-win game for the Raptors to try and Respect get up to that Respect Peyton East. Pritchard, right? He's been the killer since all season. But yeah. Also without <laughs> Peyton Pritchard, their best three-point shooter whenever they play the Toronto Raptors. And the Raptors still managed mm. to lose that one. Um, what were your thoughts? What are your, what are your big takeaways from one of the biggest losses of the season? Ooh, to the date, but there's still Friday and Sunday. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. Those games don't matter because they're not falling down to 10th and they're not moving up to eighth. Lose that's them, true. Win no, them. that's Who true. Cares? That's true. There was still the possibility that uh, they could have uh, ended up in the eighth spot, and that would have been terrific for a variety yeah. of reasons. But yes, the Celtics game, um, it comes down to the final three quarters. The Raptors gave up 66 points, not bad defense. Same time, OG and Fred, they combined for, I believe, two for 20 from three, and Gary. Obviously, just coming back from injury, but he was over to only play 15 minutes out of rhythm. So that's all that. But those three together, those are your core three-point shooters, which is another problem. Why are, do you only have three core three-point shooters? But when those guys struggle, the Raptors struggle. They played hard. They tried. They were clearly tired. Their legs were screaming uncle. All that was happening. Pascal was terrific. But in the end... You shoot 16% from three, 19%, whatever the case is, you get very yeah. little production from your your backcourt. And the other team has the exact opposite with Brogdon. You know, he is an all-star, former all-star. He has that potential. He has that ability to go off for 27 Raptors points, killer. just like he did. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny that he could have been a Raptor this, this season, but he decided to take uh, the Boston contract. That's fine. It is what it is, but it still hurts. Probably the right story. decision for him. Probably the right decision him. for him. 
Yeah. Here's my thing about that game entirely. You're exactly right. Sometimes it just comes down to making and missing shots. It's not like the Celtics shot particularly well. They only shot 28% from three. But but like, I think the story of the Raptors is even when a team shoots poorly against you, the Raptors can always shoot worse. (laughs) (laughs) That's where we are with this team. And like, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but like, that's what sort of scares me about any sort of play-in scenario. But focusing in on this game, honestly, one of my biggest takeaways was what on earth were the rotations that the Raptors threw out last night? I'm usually not one, especially in a game where a team shoots poorly, to go and look at the rotations and be like this, that, and the third. But I thought last night's was so... It was odd that second quarter when the Mm -hmm. bench was all in. And like, hey, yeah, Nick Nurse said after the game that, you know, he was waiting for some sort of game stoppage. But when that doesn't come, you call a timeout. And he did eventually, but it just took too long and the bleeding was nonstop. You needed Pascal Siakam in there. Also, I thought, like, Pascal only played 35 minutes. There were also a stretch in the fourth quarter where you needed him to play. This is a must-win game. This was a winnable game down the stretch. And you didn't have him in there. And also... You did not have Jakob Hurdle in there. And that, to me, didn't make any sense, especially for a team mm. that is shooting as poorly as it does. One of your most effective forms of offense is just a Jakob Hurdle in the pick and roll. And he was doing a fairly good job of it as well. Like, he, to me, it just, it was frustrating to watch this team make mistakes upon mistakes. There was a there was a stretch in the third quarter where Blake Griffin was the only five in. He was the biggest guy. And I saw the Raptors take a bunch of jump shots instead of drive in. There were moments where Coloco came into the game and that was an absolutely brutal stretch. I know plus minus is kind of a weak stat to use. But when you have Jacoperto play, I mean, when you have Christian Coloco playing like five and a half minutes and being a yeah. minus 10 and you have Jacoperto playing 22 minutes mm. and being a plus 10 that mm. matters in this game sure sure and to me it was like the rotations were questionable yes guys were missing their shots but even with that this was a winnable game if you just didn't have an entire bench lineup out there absolutely bleeding um yeah. and if you didn't have Christian Coloco there down the stretch and also yeah Precious played great but guess what you can do you can play Precious alongside Yakupertle. You needed the size. You were getting killed on the glass in the final minutes of the game. You could have had that. And I just, I did not understand the decisions mm. there considering nothing was working except for Yakupertle. And that's what they decided to move away from. Pascal Siakam was also phenomenal and deserves his roses for that game. But I just thought that was frustrating because it mattered so much to yeah. win that because the Atlanta Hawks ended up beating the Washington Wizards and to your point, the Raptors can still catch up and be the eighth seed if they win out and the Hawks lose out. But that seems highly unlikely at this point. So it mm. seems like the Raptors are sort of locked into the ninth spot because, I don't know, Jakob Pertl needed to rest and Christian Coloco somehow <laughs> needed to play. I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, uh, the Atlanta Hawks, they play the 76ers at home and then they're on the road against the Boston Celtics. So two games they could lose, right? It's not impossible, but I mean, give them credit. They've been winning games. Yeah. They're getting the job done. They beat the Bulls on the road last night or two nights ago two without Trey Young. Yeah. That's getting yeah. it done. And yeah. I didn't even watch the game, but the fact that it happened, the Bulls are in this stretch too. We're going to talk about it, that the Raptors and Bulls are both underachieving at a pretty critical point of the season. So yeah. give them credit. But for the Raptors now, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I wondered when that was happening with Yaka Pertl and the pressure to thing is that was Nick thinking, okay, so our offense is laboring. Do we just need more space? 
because Precious had hit a couple of threes, I believe, and uh, that way you can get a little more five out. And he was a presence in his own way. Um, but at the same time, I, I hear what you're saying. Like that bench lineup in the second quarter, it, when it became clear that it wasn't going well, and the game was just getting away from you. You could tell that the Raptors were really laboring offensively. Legs yeah. weren't there from the get-go. Um, granted, the Celtics also played last night, but different dynamics in terms of minutes between those two teams. So maybe you you pull the hook a little bit earlier than maybe you want to. And I even say, like, but Pascal Siakam, Spot 35 minutes, minutes together. But Yeah, yeah, but Spot 35 minutes, minutes for Pascal, he was gassed at the end of the third oh, yeah. quarter. Like he put so much time and energy into that quarter to get the Raptors back in contention to win that game. And so he needed a break too. But even then he came in pretty early in the, in the fourth quarter or actually had like a two minute stretch. And then he yeah, had another he got rest. A bit of a like rest. It was a bit yeah. of a bit of that in there, but I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say with the, with the Toronto Raptors. And I, I think Jeff Downton Jr. could have helped yesterday too, to be, to be honest. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon. We, let's, um, let's, was, pivot. Was carving you let's pivot to, let's pivot to Jeff Downton Jr. Because I, I think you look at that game for the Raptors and you mentioned it. Gary Trent Jr. went like 0 for 5 on the night. Fred Hamley, 1 for 12 from deep. Like your guards were not doing what you needed them to do. And someone who's come yeah. in as your backup guard has been Jeff Downton Jr., the Raptors very well could have used him last night, but of course he was not allowed to play because he's already played 50 games for this team. And so the Raptors have a major decision that they will be making later on today. So when you hmm. hear this, this might be dated, but I want to throw it to you, Amit. What do you think the Raptors should do with, with Jeff? I mean, they think they should keep him. Like if you're if you're truly intending in to try and win as many games as you can this season, if you want to get through the plan, make some kind of noise in the playoffs, and maybe that's not even the goal. Maybe you just want to get to the playoffs to give your guys reps. That could very well be the case. But then probably Malachi Flynn and Delano Banter should be playing, right? If, if that's where we're going, then do that. But like you're balancing, let's try to win, but let's not really try to win. They're going back and forth. And I mean... I don't know, Jeff Doughton, like he's clearly an NBA caliber backup point guard. He offers things that not all point guards can do. He's uh, he's a bit of a, a combo guard in a way with his uh, defensive ability. He can clearly run a team. He's good an size. asset. Yeah. yeah, good size six, as well. Three, six, four, right? I here's here's my thing. I you know I was on Raptor Queens uh, about a month ago, and we were talking about Jeff Doughton Jr. And I said that I didn't think that the Raptors were going to keep him beyond the sort of well around this time and. They still can, even if they do not make a decision mm. today. They can still extend, you know, the two-way qualifying offer this summer, make him a restricted free agent and match any offer. So there's still the possibility in the future. But my biggest thing is, like, if Jeff Dalton Jr. was 22, I think the Raptors would, without a doubt, be keeping him. <laughs> but this, the fact of the matter is, I'm with you on, like, it. But, like, you look at this Raptors team, Jeff Dalton Jr. is older than OG Ananobi. So when we're talking about, like, developing guys, he's going to be 26 sometime during the playoffs, right? Mm. So I just, I won, like, that to me is why I thought if the Raptors were to make a decision, because in order to keep Jeff Dalton Jr., it's not a matter of just giving him the money. In order to keep him, you have to waive someone on your roster. And to me, yeah. the decision to bring in Joe Wieskamp, who I believe is like 22, <laughs> to me was a decision that yeah. like, this is the person that they, because like, why would you, why would you get him when you know you have to make the decision decision with Jeff Doughton Jr. a lot coming soon? Like they knew what they were doing mm -hmm. at the trade deadline when they, when they um, picked pick Joe Wieskamp up. So it's like, you knew what you were doing there. So to me, I always felt like maybe 
the age is something and it, it sucks that that's a part of the conversation I think if there's one team that knows that like you can develop at any age it should be the Toronto Raptors but I also think bringing along a Will Barton kind of signifies that as well because I think to your point if you want to win games you need to have Jeff Dalton Jr but once the play-in and playoffs come mm. around if the playoffs do come around he's what your 10th 11th guy at best he's not For seeing sure. the court so you're yep. looking at Jeff Dalton Jr. as something for next year. So it is something that they can if they decide that, like, yes, he actually is someone that I want to keep around for next year. Mm-hmm. That is a decision they can make in the summertime. I just don't know that that's a decision that they'll um, make today. I'd be like, I'd be surprised because, like, they're not waving Delano Banton. They're not waving no. Malachi. Like, they're not waving. Who who can, like, they're not waving Will Barton. They're just like, can they? I don't even know if that's legal. I, like, I'm like, I don't know what they, like, I'm not, like, they're not waving Thaddeus Young. They are, they, they're not waving any of these guys. And so it's like, what is a decision that you're making? I don't think you wave Joe Wieskamp if you just got him. So to me, I think that the decision that the Raptors make is probably in the future for a guy like Jeff Dowden Jr. And to your point, Nick Nurse does love to play him. And that brings up a whole conversation of do the Raptors care what Nick Nurse and the coaching staff want? <laughs> because will he be here this summer? Uh, or do they find another guy who maybe is indifferent towards a guy like Jeff Dowden? It's just completely up in the air right now for the Raptors. Yeah. So uh, it sucks. I hope they keep him. He's been good. And, you know, the Raptors should try to reward their good players. But, like, it does not surprise me that someone who will be 26 sometime in May Mm -hmm. is not what the Raptors want to use their bench to develop. Yeah. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just... No, I I hear what you're saying. I mean, (laughs) I'm curious, like, you know, with uh, Gary Trent Jr. going out, then Will Barton um, sprained his ankle. And then at that point, with everything we're talking about, I guess it is just like, let's try to keep on winning games. But then why didn't you play Malachi Flynn? Right. Again, valuable reps for Malachi Flynn to get some like steady minutes as a backup point guard on the Toronto Raptors playing with some of their best players. That matters. Again, it's another development thing, but they decided, no, we're going to play Jeff because we know he can help us win games. Okay, cool. (laughs) So are the coaching staff and front office, are they, do we believe that they're sort of. Well, I mean, that's, that's probably a great, great question. Um, I, uh, it's immediately, it's very unclear. Um, with Nick Nurse's comments that he said recently about his future, and you know, ten years is a long, good time to reflect. Like, okay, sir, you're under contract. At the same time, though, I would imagine for any coach who is in going into a contract year, that it's just yeah. poor business to do that to a coach to put them on that oh. kind of leash. So that's why most coaches are extended, or you move on from the coach, right? Because this is poor business. It's not a great look. It's, it's not the same kind of dynamics between a player and a coach going into a contract year. You have to solidify that. And if you're, you truly do believe that Nick Nurse is part of your future. And me personally, like, I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'm curious what players think about Nick Nurse, because yeah. as we have all talked about, something weird has gone on this season. And I want to know yeah. what it is. Is it Nick Nurse? Is it the players? Is it a player, player, coach versus GM kind of dynamic, that kind of a thing? Because they're like, hey, we need a starting center. It's been a couple of years. We could really help. And they've actually been a lot better, obviously, with Yaka Pertl. It's solidified a lot of things. And also, hey, we still need three-point shooting. So as a Nick Nurse, you might say, you give me these things and now we're cooking. But to me, from what I understand is that management, and this is, I'm including Nick Nurse in here, is that this has been a part of their development. They want to develop these players to become, you know, a rim protector, a pressure to Chua, right? Like, obviously, there's some limitations with his size, but you want him to be able to be that kind of backup center role, but also be able to guard on the perimeter. 
You want Precious to be able to hit threes. You want OG to get more reps. You do all these things because you want encouragement, encourage development between uh, your solidified core within your franchise. So if you fire Nick Nurse now, I'd be like, well, you didn't give me the pieces. And now you're judging me based off of this? That's not fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of wrote something similar for Yahoo about the players. And I think hey. to your point, that is exactly what I would say for Nick Nurse. It's kind of, you know, I, I talked about how the Raptors gave DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry every opportunity. They were like, you guys need more three-point shooting. We're going to bring in a three and D guy. You guys actually need a stretch four. We'll bring that in. They kept 100%. trying different pieces until DeMar DeRozan proved that like, hey, it still doesn't work in 2018. And then they moved on from DeMar and they also moved on from Dwayne Casey. It was a similar thing. Hey, Dwayne Casey, you need, you know, Damari Carroll. You need a PJ Tucker. You need a Sergi Baca. We're going to bring these guys in. And yeah. if it still doesn't work, then we're moving past you. And I, I thought that the Raptors did not give a fair chance to this core. And to that point, they didn't give it a fair chance to Nick Nurse either because one in the same when you're looking at it that way. But to your point, if there is some drama behind the scenes that we're just not privy to, who knows? And I, I just, I feel like Nick Nurse's comments were just, that, that sort of threw me all out of whack uh, yeah. a little bit. Um, and Definitely. it'll be really interesting to see what the Raptors do this summer, because not only do they have Nick Nurse's contract, but they also have three players who will be non-restricted free agents and possibly a restricted free agent in uh, Jeff Doughton Jr. there as well. So it'll be... Say his name. Say his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just hope for, okay. just for, like for Jeff, I really hope he lands. Going yeah, into next season, I don't think it's fair. I mean, there's so many careers that, uh, you know, from the conversation I've had with CJ about this stuff, like there are so many players that just don't get become NBA players simply because of opportunity. And when yeah. I talked to Jeff about this, he kind of said that like, it's not me. He didn't say it directly. He's like, but he's essentially saying that I just need an opportunity. Yeah. And then I'll be able to make the most of it. And he has done that with the Toronto Raptors. And I just, uh, I feel for him. I hope he lands because he seems like a, a really honest, honest, nice guy. What? Yeah, me I too. hope he stays. I hope I'm but, wrong about like know, what I, I know. But you know, like you have Delano Bant, you have Malachi Flynn. You can't have Jeff Dowden Jr. as well going into next season. And maybe and he's that's like where three the years is older made. than all of them. I think he's like three or four years older than all of them. He average NBA career that is six years. He's gonna be good for six more that's... years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sucks know. that that's what it comes down to. But like, as soon as I found out he was older than Ogiana Nobi, I was like, oof. <laughs> that's not what the Raptors have tended to use yeah. the back end of the, the roster for. Okay, so we've, we've talked a little bit about the bad, which is the Celtics game, about the questions that are up in the future, which is the summer. But before we get into all of that, I think what's going to answer some of those questions are what happens in the play-in. And there's been some good here as well. The Raptors have actually sure. been the best team of the play-in bunch if you look at the numbers. They've been the best defense of the play-in group since the All-Star break. They also have the best net rating. Um, they have the sixth best net rating since March or since February 28th. And I, I have that mm. date. In particular, I didn't like pick that date to find <laughs> where they were the fifth best or sixth best net rating. Um, but it's right up there. It's ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks in that time span, right? Like right below yes. the Cavaliers. They've been a legitimately yes. good team. And the reason why I selected February 28th as you know the date that I'm pulling all my stats from is because that was a day that the Raptors played the Chicago Bulls and won. <laughs> and so <laughs> all the stats that I'm looking from yeah, is yeah. from that last game. And the reason why I focused on the Chicago Bulls is because where it stands right now, unless things go totally out of whack in the final few games of the season, the Raptors will be playing and will be hosting the Chicago Bulls 
And so those numbers have been really, really interesting to me. So I, I want to sort of ask you first, if you had your choice, would Chicago have been the team that you wanted to see of the play-in bunch? Yeah, probably they're up there. The team that I don't want to face. And mind you, I think the Raptors can and should beat any of the play-in teams, but yes. the Atlanta Hawks are the team that scare me the most because, I mean, we know like, you know, in one game dynamics, who's your star? Exactly. Trey yeah. is a problem. Um, they've had issues containing him before, but the last time yeah. they played, like OG wasn't there, but then you got uh, Bogdanovich and then you got, you know, De- De- DeJounte Murray. These kinds of like quick guards have just caused the Raptors issues. They can deal probably better with a person like DeMar DeRozan, a slower pace, um, a pick and roll ball handler kind of player. He's fifth in total possessions as a pick and roll ball handler. And also he's second in points as a ball handler. So that is their bread and butter and the Raptors can switch. They can do a lot of different things. They can throw different kind of uh, looks at DeMar and that's obviously going to be beneficial for them. They beat them the last time around and going back and looking at that game, um, Vucevic was a problem, but I mean, it's, that's kind of it. It's a pick and roll between Vucevic and Demar, and then you know Vucevic pops and he hits three sometimes, and you just hope that he doesn't hit that many threes. But yeah. uh, outside of that, I mean, like the Raptors, they played a decent game. Scotty Barnes missed like I, I counted eleven to fifty-five chip shots, and that's just sort of happens. But you want to bank that won't happen again. And we're also in the early stages of this Yaka Pertle integration to the lineup, there are several occasions when I was looking back at the footage that. I believe they would have made that pass or it would have been a much smoother possession here and there. And so from a size standpoint, the Raptors definitely have an advantage. And I think they just have more, uh, more overall talent to succeed against the bulls. But then again, you got Zach Levine. He could put up 55 on a given day and he's kind of scary too. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like looking at the games that the Raptors played against the. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There were the ones early on in the season that happened in November. Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. gone. The Raptors win one. They lose the other because Zach Levine, I think, missed the one that the Raptors won. Zach Levine came back for the one that the Raptors lost. But, of course, they didn't have Pascal Siakam. They yeah. also did not have Jakob Pertl. And the Bulls did not have Patrick Beverly. Now, the last game, the game that happened on February 28th, that's the game that I sort of focused in on. That was a close game between the two, and Scotty Barnes just had an absolute monstrous fourth quarter against them. He was blocking every single shot. And so, to your point, the Raptors are just bigger than them. And to your other point, they play at a much slower pace, right? Like, the Hawks play at a really quick Mm -hmm. pace. The Miami Heat, the Toronto Raptors... And the Chicago Bulls all play at extremely slow paces. And I think that that sort of bodes well for the Toronto Raptors in this matchup. They also have done really well at containing both Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. What they do is 
they just help off of Pat Bev and Alex Caruso. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, like, it's easy. It's like it's yeah. pretty simple. I do think that the um that the Bulls do have a counter there with you know Patrick Williams. Like that's someone who mm. didn't get it a lot of time. I thought in that game yeah. that the Raptors played against them, he's someone who very similar to the Raptors. I feel like he fit in perfectly here mm. in terms of his size, but also in the fact that he's incredibly inconsistent <laughs> and you never know what you're going to get from him on any True. given night. He could be the best player or the worst player you've ever seen in your life. Um. So I just, to me, this is an interesting matchup. The Bulls have actually, outside of the Raptors, have been playing the best out of all of the play-in teams. The Miami Heat have the worst net rating. Of course, Jimmy has missed some time yeah. there. But, like, also, I don't want to face the Miami Heat because, like, I feel like someone's going to get incredibly injured on the court. <laughs> and Jimmy Butler's also just going to go off and there's no way that you can contain him. Yeah. But something I found, so to me, the Chicago Bulls, it's tough. It's tough because I think the Raptors can lose to any of these teams, but I think they should be. Right. <laughs> like I think that they, because it comes, it really comes down to just shooting variance. When it's a single game elimination, if it was 2019 yeah. and you have the championship team having a single game elimination against the Orlando magic, the Raptors would have lost in the first round and not gone on to win a championship because single game eliminations can mean DJ Augustine hits a game winner against you and you're out of here, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, it, it just comes down to shot making. And as we saw last night with the Toronto Raptors team, I just cannot bet on their shot making. Yeah. I think what sort of bodes well for the Raptors is that if you look at the worst three-point shooting teams right now, <laughs> it's been the... Uh, and in terms of three-point frequency, in terms of three-point percentage, like their shots that are three-pointers, mm. it is the Toronto Raptors, Keep the going. Miami Heat, yes. and the Atlanta Hawks all Sing. in the bottom five of the NBA. They're all in the bottom five of the NBA post-all-star break. So <laughs> if you're looking at a team, <laughs> exactly, if you're looking at a team that like, if it comes down to shoot, shooting variants, hey, if the Raptors yeah. don't make them, Atlanta, Miami, and Chicago yeah. also have not proven to be able to make them either so that maybe bodes well for you i think what is really interesting to me about the raptors versus bulls matchup is the fact that like you know vooch is going to go off and i think you're fine with vooch going off if you're the toronto raptors because for one vooch is not a guy who can create his own shot so like mm -hmm. feed him the ball whatever he's fine it's DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. And if you have guys who can contain them, I think you're gold in there. But that yeah. just requires Pat Bev and Alex Caruso to have bad games. Bad shooting nights, I should say. <laughs> They're going to be, you know, their pesky selves on defense. But if they have bad shooting nights, I think the Raptors can come and feel fairly comfortable in this mm -hmm. matchup here. They've got the size. They've got the rebounding. They um, are, have been a better defense. I know the, the league story has been the Chicago Bulls defense. The Raptors have been a better defense for um, the, you know, since the all-star break when everybody's been talking about the Bulls defense. So yeah. I just, I'm looking at this matchup and I'm like, on paper, the Raptors should beat them, but still I have zero faith in the Raptors beating them because watch Alice Caruso just have a, the game of his life. And like you said, single game elimination, you don't know what could happen. Containing Andre Drummond um, in his like 16 minutes or so will be pretty yeah. crucial as well. The last time they played, he had six and 10 in 16 minutes. So you put Yak in there, I would hope, because you know that Precious, Ascotti, they can guard Vucevic. And so you can do some interesting um, substitutions there. And then also um, Derek Jones Jr. He's now in the rotation. So that's yeah, an additional that's length that could, yeah. So that could be uh, additional length that um, Ascotti and OG uh, Pascal may have to deal with. But in the end, like all three of those players, there are so many mismatches that they can, they can attack. And then also, you know, the Raptors, like, they kind of decide how they want to play. And it's like, okay, so we have a drop big, cool. 
Fred and Yak, pick and roll, you do your thing. But then they yeah. also have another style that if you're small, we can do this. They can do both Body. of those options against the Chicago Bulls. And so you would think that it's going to be, it presents a good matchup. And also last time they played, I mean, Vucevic had six turnovers, right? And they had like 20 yeah. turnovers overall. And they got, the Raptors had uh, 23 more shots. They had rebounded them. Like the formula was there for them to win that game, despite it only being like a six point game. They perform better offensively. This is a recording. <laughs> um, things should be fine. But I mean, also you get a little bit worried about these single single game eliminations when you have a player like DeMar on one side and Zach Levine, uh-huh. um, just because of their, their scoring prowess and how talented they are. But I, I think in a game like that, you are hoping that, you know, Pascal Siakam, he's able to cancel out the production of uh, DeMar DeRozan. Like, it's what you want from your star player, yeah. your best player. Um, then after that happens, then you're probably in a decent spot just to overall beat the Chicago Bulls. But again, one game elimination, who the hell knows? Yeah, and DeMar's struggled against the Raptors. I think he's only averaged 14 points against them this year. Yeah. Uh, that last game, he had 11 points on 13, or he had 13 points on 11 shots and he got to the line like, like five times. Like, he's a point guard for them. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes he's a power forward for them. And that's sort of the thing. Or Alex Cruz is a power forward for them. And that's kind of the thing with the Bulls is like the Raptors should have more size. And I think your point about uh, Andre Drummond is is a really good one there because what the Raptors did in the fourth quarter to completely turn it around and steal that game against Chicago, although they kind of had control for most of it, was they went small, right? Because Andre Drummond Mm -hmm. was not in there. And so they did not need Yaka Pirtle and they just went with Scotty at the five. And we know that Scotty at the five is is a phenomenal player, right? Like that was was a game where OG missed a free throw and Scotty got the rebound and dunked it right back in. Like it was, it was beautiful. Mm. It was the high energy. And I think why I'm sort of excited about a play-in scenario is because I think we've seen the best Scotty on nationally televised games. We see the best Scotty when the lights are brightest. Like, he is a true star in the making because when the lights shine bright, I mean, in his yeah. first playoff game, he almost had a triple-double before getting hurt. Um, So, like, w- when the lights are brightest, Scotty really does show up. But a lot of this is going to come down to OG, Fred, being able to knock down their shots. To your point, the Raptors only have three-point <laughs> only have a couple of three-point shooters. Gary Trent Jr. being able to knock down their shots. But yeah. going back to that last game against them, those guys did not hit their shots except for Gary Trent Jr. It seems like when you're going up against a bad three-point shooting team, yeah. you only need one guy to be able to do it. <laughs> and it was Gary who did it for the Raptors. So hopefully one of those three yeah. guys, if not two of them, can come out against the Chicago Bulls. And I think that that can completely change it. But my last point about the difference between a playoffs and play-in is in the playoffs, I trust the Raptors to be able to beat this team because I trust that the Raptors are a better team than the Chicago Bulls. They've proven to be a better team than the Chicago Bulls. In a single game elimination, it comes down to who has the best shot makers sometimes. And I trust that the Bulls have better shot makers than the Toronto Raptors because they have DeMar DeRozan and they have Zach Levine. Now, the Raptors have really been able to contain them. And so hopefully... That continues through. The Raptors just need to play defense at the way that they play. I think if the Mm. Raptors come out with their defensive intensity and we see how good they can be when games matter and when the lights are brightest, we know how good their defense can be. I think the Raptors should be able to beat the Bulls, but I would never pick them outright. I'm waiting a little bit. I'm probably going to do my reverse jinx and pick the Chicago Bulls. Who knows? Um, (laughs) It's worked before. It's worked. It has. It has. Um, And so, like, the Philadelphia 76ers be very scary because I've been very high on you guys all year. Um, so, <laughs> uh, like, you got and, the Drake effect. Nicely done. I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best mm. to use it for the Raptors good. I don't think Drake has no. done that very well. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Will Barton hits four threes. 
you know, he maybe. had six against uh, whoever maybe. it was, Char- Char- Charlotte, and then he had and- zero on one attempt and four minutes against the, you know what, that was a different game. Whatever he didn't play much yesterday. He didn't play. I think he so. was. O, I think he was over two. I think he was over two last night. But um, yeah. you know who's been spectacular outside of yesterday's game is OG Ananobi. OG uh-huh. Ananobi has been uh-huh. phenomenal. So maybe it's not Will Barton hitting those shots. Maybe it's OG. Maybe he's coming to prove that he's truly the Raptors' number two option. I don't know what I'm saying here, but I wanted to to throw this conversation. I want to close off on OG Ananobi because I feel like we've been really down. Positive. And I think it's in a bright yes. spot. It has been yes. Mr. I don't shoot trying to miss because he really has not been missing any of his shots recently. But he no. shooting like near 46% from deep in the last month of basketball, mm. which is just absolutely absurd. What are your thoughts on OG Ananobi and, and his recent play? You know, this conversation is interesting because I was going to do a video on OG Ananobi just on the, the transition that's happened for him. And the date yeah. I was going to start with was February 28th. That's, because that's, that's all of my the stats. There we happened. go. Yeah, it, that's when the switch happens. So in non-restricted area paint shots, okay, he is up 11% since February 28th. Oof. Long mid-range, he's in the 100 percentile at his position since February 28th. That's ridiculous. From 16 to 20 feet. <laughs> okay. One more for you. One more for you. Okay. okay? You're going to see a trend here. From 16 to 24 feet. Since February 28th, he is shooting 76.9%. Now, there isn't a huge volume here, but when he takes the shots, they're very good. And then obviously, you know, since March 15th, his corner three point, his three point shooting has been very good. But since March 15th, he is at least five to 10% better from each corner and 7% better above the break. So his shooting has been ridiculous. And that's where it's coming down to. His shooting has been very good. And it's not even around the rim. It's just he's executing the shots that are within the scope of his offense. The long mid-ranges, those are great shots to take if you can make them. And now they're, he's hitting them. Not on a high volume, but when he does do it, it's with purpose. He's on balance. He's poised. He's confident. The awkwardness, I think, is kind of going away. There's a yeah. rhythm to what he's doing, which is massive to his uh, potential. So those are great signs for him. I mean, you, you hit it, and it's funny because I was like, it's so funny that February 20th, I didn't even know that that was a date. I was just, you know, focused really in on February 28th, and his numbers just absolutely blew me away looking through them. Number one, like outside of it, just looking at the season as a whole, Ochiananobi is third in made corner threes, just behind Reggie Bullock and Mikhail Bridges. And and as I was playing around with those numbers, you mentioned it there, the above-the-break shots, the above-the-break threes since February 28th has been absolutely absurd. He's shooting mm-hmm. them now. Granted, not on a high volume, but he's shooting them out there like he's Steph Curry. Like, what do you mean you're shooting over 40% <laughs> above the break? That is absolutely absurd. And, and here's, here's the thing. Like, I think a large part of, like, OG Ananobi's three-point diet, as I mentioned, he's third in corner threes, has just been in the corners. But now OG being able to hit those catch-and-shoot threes from anywhere mm-hmm. completely changes the space that the offense plays with, right? Like, to be a good three-point shooter, yeah, you need to hit them in the corner. We want Precious to do that. We want Pascal to do that when they're out there. But to be a good three-point shooter, to be a true floor spacer, you need to be able to hit them above the break. You need to be able to hit them on the wings. You need to be able to space it out. And we're seeing yeah. OG Ananobi do that. And also I was playing around with some of the numbers because OG's post-up numbers were actually pretty pretty bad. I mean, how many times do we see OG? And you said 
He looks a lot more fluid. How many times do we see OG try to post a guy up and it's a charge and it's a turnover? It seemed like it was pretty high. He also didn't score a ton. He would have to sort of pass it out because he couldn't mm-hmm. find anything there um, or it'd be a turnover. Since February 28th, his efficiency is the same as Pascal Siakam's there. Granted, not on the same, yeah. um, uh, not on the same volume, but he has been so incredibly efficient he's also not turning it over a ton Mm -hmm. he looks a lot more fluid with the basketball and like that is exciting for what he is because you know and we talked a little bit about Jeff Doughton Jr. and how like I didn't know if the Raptors were going to use um a back of the end you know back of the bench uh roster spot on him because they don't tend to you know focus on developing 25 26 year olds at the back you know at the end of the roster they do it on the pressure situations and Gary Trent Jr is the guy that the guys that are in their early 20s but i think yep. OG Ananobi is a prime example that like 25 year olds are still developing <laughs> like 20 near 26 year olds are still developing they're still taking another step I'm not saying yep. Jeff Doughton Jr is OG Ananobi but i think the growth that we're seeing from OG Ananobi mm-hmm. the fluidity with which he plays the mid-range shots which he's knocking down that he was not doing early on in the season um he, you're getting OG to iso a little bit more i wasn't able to filter isos by um by uh by date so i wasn't yeah. able to get a clear sort of number of like what that sort of looks like i'm hoping to go and clean the glass and doing a, a, a deeper dive on that. Mm-hmm. But um, OG Adenobi has just been spectacular in the last month and a bit. And he's exactly yeah. what the Raptors have needed. And Pascal's looking spectacular too. Fred Van Vliet, yeah, he had an off night, that thumb. I hope that that's coming along because like uh, if his mm-hmm. thumb is really done, because we saw what sort of the difference of Fred Van Vliet having a good thumb and a bad thumb is. Um, if if he's really hurt, we it's going to be pretty dicey for the Raptors. But we're starting to see it really come together. And Scotty Barnes really stepping up. I think, you know, one thing that we talked about a lot at, in that February 28th Chicago Bulls game was Scotty having a pretty bad first three quarters and really coming out hard in the fourth quarter, how he's able to sort of push everything back. And that's something that we saw yesterday as well. He came out really hard against the Celtics after having a bad game against the Hornets. And so this team has all of the pieces to really put things together. I wanted to leave us all on a positive note there. Um, And everything's kind of coming together. Indeed. Just to go back on some of the negative for one second. (laughs) Let's do it. Just Never enough the, with the Raptors. I know, I know. And the Fred Pascal thing, like, yeah. uh, it, I don't want to criticize Pascal's game yesterday because obviously it's not fair. Like, he if he doesn't go off the way he did in the third quarter, like, they're not, they don't win. But late in the game, he had a matchup that was juicy. He'd already hit a couple of shots over Derek White and the shot rimmed out. Now, make or miss league, yada, yada, yada. Sometimes you just need your guys to hit the shots. And yeah. if Fred and Pascal are your guys, like your late game executors, and then also Fred, he missed like a wide open three. Um, that was you, you, just, you, you just need them to hit it, right? Like yeah. that's what it's coming down, like, coming down to like a road situation, you know, in that second playing game, if they do get there, they might need those guys to hit those shots. And I just hope that they do because the story of this season has been a lack of execution, a lack of uh, role acceptance, a lack of understanding how to, you know, win games. And we just watched the Celtics and they beat the Raptors by just simply executing their game plan. They said, we're going to let these guys take shots. We're going to beat them with just our crisp off offense, our, uh, our fluid movements, like the way that the Celtics get generate shots around the rim by just moving off the ball is really impressive. That's like championship level kind of stuff. And they've been developing this since last season. And I look at the Raptors. I'm like, this is where you have to get to. That's where you have to get to. This is there what ways you away. Brown, when he's just like cutting back door on Scotty, Scotty's like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Like, 
Ooh, this is what actually... you need, right? This is what yeah. you need. They always have shooters in the corners. You need OJ and Nobody to be able to hit those shots under duress and, and on tight closeouts. You need Gary Trent Jr. to do the exact same thing. You need Fred to do the exact same thing. You need yeah. to be able to um, space out the floor in the proper way so Pascal, Scotty can actually generate offense going downhill. And you need that through spacing. It's it's kind of simple in a way. I mean, I mean, I'm not a coach, obviously, but uh, I think some of these things are just very valid. The 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 crispness and the the fluidity of their offense needs a little bit of a shakeup. I, just to add to that, because I think you're entirely correct. It's also finishing your drives, which has been something that I find mm. has been the most frustrating with this team. Because yes, it's a make or miss league, but sometimes it feels like the Raptors are playing for a call when they get in the paint. Fred VanVleet yeah. does it, Pascal Siakam does it, OG Ananobi does it, and oftentimes does not get the call. It goes the other sure. way when it's OG Ananobi for whatever reason, and Scotty Barnes does it. And I think you know a large part of why the Raptors are in the nine seed and not the eight seed is that Atlanta Hawks game, which is a perfect example of this, where you miss a layup at the buzzer. Yeah. And end up losing that game that you had controlled the entire way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just comes down to like, go up hard. Don't go with the soft. Like you want Scotty. Scotty is so big. And when he remembers that he's big, that's why I love him at the five. He is so incredibly dominant. You go up there yeah. for a dump. You go in hard. You don't go in for the finger roll. You go in hard. And sometimes for them, you go in a little too hard, buddy. Um, but like, <laughs> but um. <laughs> I just I think that like this team in terms of like their finishing seems yeah. to be a little suspect to me when you're bigger you're often bigger than your matchup because mm-hmm. this team is so oddly built go up hard someone who does it consistently I think has been OG Ananobi he just gives us those reverse dunks all the time Precious Achua did it he had a couple of dunks that just look good just go in hard get those two easy points if you get hit you'll shoot free throws but do not play to get hit because yeah. you're in a situation where you lose to the Atlanta Hawks and now you're the nine seed instead of the eight seed it's so true OG's been attacking closets really well, too. There's yeah. been a oh, yeah. decisiveness to how he's doing it. And he seems like he knows the path to the basket before the ball even gets to him. And that's just like reps and understanding and uh, knowing we're going to get the ball on the court. But against the Celtics, it was like, okay, but this is a bit harder against this team because the Celtics are a very good defensive team, um, great rim protection, just a lot of activity on defense. Celtics played great defense last night. I just thought yeah. the Raptors just executed offensively terribly. Like, yeah. to me, it was just like, okay, this is a team on the second night of a back-to-back that's like had to play for their lives and look tired and probably came into this game thinking it's an easy win because half of this roster is out tonight. How the hell could the Raptors think that? (laughs) I don't know. They were like, I saw Sam Hauser and they were like, hey, we should be able to do this. And spoiler alert, they were not. The Celtics missed a lot of wide open threes. Like, and that was the game plan for the Raptors. But uh, I mean, they shot what, like 19%? The Raptors shot 16. I don't know what it was. It's like 28%, I think, for the Celtics and 18% for the Raptors. Yeah, so, so uh, fourth quarter got a little bit a uh, little bit different. But yeah, for a while, they were, around the, they were competing with the Raptors for a low three-point percentage. But the Raptors, obviously, they inevitably finish at 18% from three. Yeah, the, the, the Celtics often do not win games when they shoot that poorly from three. Yeah. Except if you're going to shoot poorly, the Raptors can always beat you there. They can always shoot worse. That's kind of been the story of the season for Toronto. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's going to be the that's going to be the story of the play in because it's it's one game variance. Whoever shoots better is probably going to be able to win it. Um, having said that, the Raptors have proven to be able to beat some of these teams that they could be going up against mm-hmm. shooting poorly as long as, you know, they're executing everything else perfectly. And do we bet they can do that? Two games in a row. Oof. Let's find out. <laughs> Let's find out. That's all I got. 
That is a perfect place to leave it. Let's find out. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Emmett, for joining me. And hopefully we have some good news this weekend. Bye, everybody.